up-and-coming distillers, things that I wish I knew when I got into bourbon, and what I prefer to drink in the fall. What's up, guys? My name is Chris, and you are listening to the Whiskey Noobs Podcast, and today we have yet another of our listener Q&A episodes. In these episodes, I answer questions submitted by you guys, the listeners, through my Instagram page and through my Patreon page. So if you want to submit a question, you can submit it through Instagram. Every Wednesday, I will post a sticker to my story where you can type out your question, submit it, and then I select some of the questions and answer them here on the podcast. If you'd like to jump the line, I would very much appreciate it if you go check out the Patreon page. There's a bunch of other cool stuff on there as well. It is at the link in the show notes. And uh, once again, I would just really appreciate if you guys are able to take a look at that. Thank you to all the patrons. Thank you to all of you who submit questions, whether it's through Patreon or through Instagram. I love these episodes. I've said a bunch of times they are so much fun for me because I get to see into what you guys are wondering about, see what it is that you want me to talk about, and I get to answer those things. So it's a lot of fun is the moral of the story. Now, I will get into the questions, but first, I do have to do the mystery whiskey tasting. So during the Q&A episodes, I will drink a whiskey, give you guys a very short review of it, and then you can try to guess what whiskey it is. It is a whiskey that's been on the show in the past couple dozen of episodes um, in order to narrow it down a little bit, not make it like an impossible task. And the idea is it's kind of like taking a blind tasting. It's kind of like teaching you guys, especially the newer folks, what type of notes you can anticipate different whiskeys from because you're not just learning it. I'm not just regurgitating it to you. You're actually participating. You're thinking about it. I think it's fun. Hopefully you think it's fun. I'm going to do that tasting right now. I do keep these reviews a little bit brief in order to not just give it away, but I would say right now I'm getting bright, light, and fruity. Those are That's kind of the the very basic essence of the palate of what I'm drinking right now. Now, without further ado, let's get into your guys' questions. As always, I will be answering a few in long form. Today, we've got four long form questions, and then I'll be answering the rest in a lightning round format. I'll be answering them kind of quickly in order to get as many questions in as I am able to get. I try to get as many of these as I can, because once again, I think it's a lot of fun. But without further ado, let's get started. The first question comes to us from one of our patrons. I truly appreciate your efforts to make whiskey enjoyable and a learning experience for all. Thank you very much. It is it, that, That's my effort. That's my goal. So I really... It, it means a lot to me when people see it that way as well and when people are excited about it. So thank you for that. Are there any new and upcoming distillers that we should be watching? That is an excellent question. I think there are a lot of new and upcoming distillers, first of all. And it's really hard to pinpoint which ones. A lot of people want to know which ones are going to be the allocated distillers. Which ones are going to be the ones that in a few years I can't get my hands on. That is very tough to figure out. However, there are a few that are newer, and new is new is a really relative term when it comes to whiskey because some, you know, it, it takes time to gain popularity. It takes time to blow up. But there are some newer ones that I am a very big fan of, and you've probably heard me talk about them uh, on my social media channels a little bit. I'm a big fan of Redwood Empire. Um, I really, really like their Pipe Dream bourbon. Um, they have other stuff that I like as well. They have multiple. There's a couple ryes that I like. I like their Cask Strength Pipe Dream. I like uh, some of the other stuff that they've made as well. Their their grain to glass stuff, um, like uh, Grizzly Beast and Rocket Top. I like a lot of their stuff, but I love Pipe Dream. So, like, Pipe Dream to me is just an excellent, excellent $40 bourbon. And I think it's really blowing up online, so I'd, I'd have an eye out for them 
and I recommend trying it um, because I recommend trying it if you like smooth and sweet. Because some people try it and they're like, oh, I hated it. And it, it doesn't have a bold, punchy profile to it. So if that's what you're looking for, you might actually not enjoy it. But for most people, especially the ones that I've talked to, the ones that comment on my posts, it's very approachable and sweet but still has body at that $40 mark. So I'll, that would be the first one. That's like the first thing that comes to mind when you say up-and-coming distilleries. They've been around for a few years, but I'm a really big fan of, of their stuff. Uh, other up-and-coming distilleries, it's hard for me to not talk about Middle West Spirits. Uh, now, they've been around for a little while, but you know they're kind of on the craft level, but they're, they're expanding a little bit, and I just personally... Personally, think that they are an underappreciated distiller, and maybe it's because they're kind of in my backyard. They're in Columbus, but their stuff I even underappreciated for a while, and I thought, oh, this is good. It's not great, whatever. And then I had it in blind tastings, and especially their weeded bourbon, and it started blowing my mind. And I was like, what is this bourbon with all this flavor? Not just in one blind tasting. It did great against Blantons and the Better Than Blantons. It also did great in my fully blind tastings where my wife grabs any bottle from within the room and I try one. It did great in that as well. And I think there was even a third blind tasting that I, I did with it where I was just like, it, it just unanimously in all my blind tastings it performs better than i would expect so i'm a big fan of them as well uh if you don't know now you do uh barrel craft spirits they're not new new they're i think 10 years old now um but once again in the whiskey game that's that's kind of new when you're comparing to people who've been around since before prohibition and they're blowing up i mean they're they're doing a lot in the whiskey world they just opened a new blending facility so i think we're going to see a lot more volume start coming from them and they also just released their first non-cask strength whiskey uh bourbon specifically because they wanted to make it more accessible to folks who uh, weren't able to get their hands on their products because their products are rather pricey. And so they made it non-cask strength. You get a little bit higher yield out of it, and then you can also make it a little bit cheaper. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, they sent me a bottle of it. I thought it was good. I don't think it's my favorite thing from Barrel, but that's a hard line to beat because I like a lot of Barrel stuff. Um, so I do think it's a good bourbon, though, like objectively. So I'm excited to see what comes from them. They do a lot of really fun and exciting things. I, I like their stuff, and whenever they send me stuff to review, I'm always excited because I, I'm, I have a feeling that I'm going to like it. Who else is an up-and-comer? Um, I actually don't know how old this distillery is, but still Austin, I believe, is semi-new, once again, in that realm of, of semi-new, and they are killing it in the game. Um, I know a lot of people love their stuff. I've had one bottle, which I won't name from them, that I wasn't super impressed with, but I've also had a bottle from them that I was very impressed with. So um, it could very well have been my palate condition or something like that. And then there's one more distiller I want to bring up, but I don't want to be wrong about them being young because then I would just feel bad. So let me look. Okay. I thought, see, I've heard mixed things. I've heard that they're young and I've heard that they're old. So Green River Distilling uh, originally founded in 1885, which is what confused me, uh, but resurrected in 2014, according to their website, actually. So yeah, they are relatively new. Uh, they are a brand to look out for. Green River Distilling, I've had uh, a couple of their barrel picks, and then I've had just their flagship bourbon and then their flagship weeded bourbon. I think both are very good budget bottles. And then the barrel picks from the them that I have had as well that I got to try at uh, Kentucky Bourbon Festival were very good as well. Um, I think Green River 
is it has a bright future ahead of them. Uh, I was I was a really big fan of stuff of theirs that I've tried, and I also love that their flagship bourbon has a spicy character to it. It's got a lot of rye in it, and then they also have a flagship weeded bourbon that has the exact same percentage of what is rye in the normal bourbon is wheat in the weeded bourbon. So you really get a nice dichotomy there. We did an episode about it. That I'm a very big fan of. I think you can learn a lot by doing that side-by-side tasting. So those are just a few. Those are totally off the top of my head. I didn't prepare for that question at all, um, but I do think those are all good options for people to, to have an eye out for, for sure. And I just realized as I answered it that 2014 is nine years ago. Because I'm like, oh, 2014, yeah, they just opened. Whew, 2014 is nine years ago. Almost 10 here in a couple months. So that is terrifying. All right, let's move on to the next question. What's my take on the Bowman line of Virginia bourbon? So I haven't had a lot from their lineup, but I've had Bowman Brothers small batch. And I wanted to uh, take a moment to really zero in on it, mainly because a lot of people have asked me about it. And I finally have drank enough of it. I've had it on a couple different occasions where I feel like I can give a good answer. Multiple people asked me about Bowman Brothers. And I got their small batch. I don't think it's even available in Ohio, or at least it didn't used to be. So I got it while I was out of state. And it took me a while to try it. I finally got around to trying it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it had a really nice, sweet profile to it. I believe it's like 40 bucks, not very expensive. It's sweet, but it also has some character to it. It's definitely not boring. Uh, and I, I, like I said, I had it on a couple different occasions. I remember the first time I had it, I was like, oh, this is pretty good. And the second time that I had it, I had two glasses of it, uh, which that first glass, you know, you're really, your palate's starting to acclimate a little bit. And then the second glass, you really can pick up on things. And the second glass, I was like, wow, this very much has a nice kind of brown sugar, caramel forward palate, but it's still got some spice to keep me interested. Um, so Long story short, I was a big fan of the, specifically the Bowman Brothers small batch that I was able to get my hands on. And I know a lot of people talk about it being a really good budget bourbon, maybe being a contender for Better Than Blanton's. Um, assuming I revive that series, which I, I probably will at some point, um, it's definitely in the lineup for the Better Than Blanton's. Uh, but I, I paused those videos for a little while to make way for some new content. And also, sometimes people don't like seeing nothing but Blanton's content. They get really upset. So I, I, I quit doing so much of it. Um, but yeah, very good whiskey. I was impressed by it. I'm excited to try some more of it. I've only had it on, I think, three different occasions, which for me isn't really a super rounded opinion, but it's enough for me to confidently say that I enjoyed it. The odds of me just having the right palate condition all three of those times are pretty slim. So that's my opinion on Bowman Brothers. Moving on to the next question. What do I wish I knew about bourbon when I was starting out that I know now? so, so much. There's so much that I wish I knew, so many mistakes that I made, but let's, let's, let's take it piece by piece. So these are off the dome. These are, I'm just coming up with these. First and foremost, um, allocated stuff isn't really worth hunting. Uh, in my opinion, it's especially not worth hunting when you're new to it. If you want to hunt allocated and rare bottles, that's totally fine, but I wouldn't lose any sleep over it. So I still do this. I still hunt a little bit, and I just do it for fun. I hunt for the thrill of the hunt. If I get a cool rare bottle, then I'm stoked about it. But I don't go crazy. I don't lose sleep over it. And I don't overpay uh, for the rare stuff. So 
That's the first thing, because there's a lot of good stuff that sits on the shelf, a lot of stuff that I try to do reviews of on here and on social media so that people can see it and they can go buy it. There's a ton of stuff just sitting on shelves that's very good. It's really, there's not really much of a need to do any hunting of rare bourbons unless it's just out of curiosity and just out of fun. I like it because to me, if I go to try to score something rare, it's kind of the same feeling of like gambling, except I don't lose money if I lose. I actually lose money if I win, but it's money that I want to spend. So that's kind of, that's a very important one that I think a lot of people don't realize. The next thing that I would say is that bourbon exists on a very large spectrum of flavors, and I don't think it gets talked about enough how different bourbons can taste. And I think it's very important that you try different bourbons when you're new to bourbon because it might really surprise you which ones you enjoy. So when I got started, of course, I tried Buffalo Trace. I tried Maker's Mark. I tried Evan Williams Bottled and Bond. Um, I, I can't think of any more off the top of my head that I tried right in the beginning, but all of those taste very good. And they also taste different. I mean, Maker's Mark Buffalo, I mean, those all, those all have a different profile, but there's such an expansive flavor out there. I mean, if you put a Woodford double oaked up against an old granddad bonded, it, it's almost like they're not even in the same category of whiskey. And that's because there's different things going on with the mash bill. There's different things going on with the aging vessels. And with double oak, you're getting a second barrel to add some oakiness. But my point is that there's a huge range of bourbons. And I think it's really helpful to try multiple different ones throughout that range, um, especially because you might find some stuff that you like. And as I've said before, try one's Try bourbons with different flavor profiles that are relatively inexpensive. Whatever inexpensive is for you, try something on that level and try a couple of them. That way you get to try multiple and you really get to learn what what your preferences are. Uh, Also, trying them at the bar is good if you want to, but you might overpay a little bit for the pours. The other thing is if you have your own bottle, then you can try it a couple times in a couple different palate conditions and really get an idea for what your favorite kind of everyday sipper. I don't like that term because I don't like drinking every day, but you know, it makes sense. Everyday bottle. You, you know what I mean when I say everyday bottle. Um, I let, you can figure out what your, what your everyday bottle might be, what bottle might work in like most palate conditions. Uh, okay. That's only two things though. I feel like I should have a third thing. I'm going to take a sip of this whiskey and think about it. This one might divide the room. It is definitely a matter of my opinion, but in my experience, the law of diminishing returns applies very extremely at close to the $100 mark. And I'm sure that mark's going to change as the whiskey market changes. But for me, for a bottle, the difference between $50 and $100 is pretty big. A $50 bottle is going to be really good. A $100 bottle is going to be really, really good. The difference between a $0 bottle or let's say a $10 bottle and a $50 bottle is huge, massive. We're talking from something that I might not even drink neat to something that I love drinking neat. And then, as I mentioned, from 50 to 100, there's a pretty big jump. From 100 to 150, there's very little change. I've had $100 bottles that I've liked more than $150 bottles. It You're really getting into the law of diminishing returns for a lot of reasons. But for me, 
it's very rare that I recommend somebody spends over $100. You've probably heard me say before, anytime it's over the $75 range, I always say, this depends on you. This depends on your budget. This depends on what you're looking for in a whiskey. And make darn sure that it is the type of whiskey that you like. Don't roll the dice on a $100 bottle because you think it's $100. Of course I'm going to like it. That's not how it works. Uh, it can still not be your palate. It can still be a waste of money. That is something that I really wish I knew. I did blow money on a couple of semi-expensive bottles, mainly because I thought, well, from $10 to $50, it gets way better. From $50 to $100, it gets a, a decent amount better. From $100 to $150, it, it, the $150 bottle must just totally blow my mind, and that was not the case. So that those are three things that I wish, three or four, Anyways, I think it was three things that I wish I knew when I was getting started in, in the whole whiskey world, but specifically to bourbon because that stuff applies a lot to allocated and rare bourbons in the United States. Then our last long-form question. They say, it is fall. Would you rather be drinking scotch, bourbon, rye, single malt, etc.? Scotch, bourbon, rye, single malt, etc. Okay, I wanted to make sure I got that right. So, the fall... I definitely have a preference. However, it's not one category of whiskey. Each category kind of has its own thing that I like. So let me explain. In bourbon, I really like dessert bourbons. I like bourbons that have dark, sweet, but almost full-bodied, slightly overbearing profiles. Uh, maybe it's a little bit extra oaky. Maybe it's got a lot of a cinnamon to it. Those sorts of profiles. And then in the world of unpeated scotch, so scotch that doesn't have any peat to it, or American single malt that's not peated, I'm big into the uh, fruit cornucopia profile, essentially. Something that's fruity and also a little bit malty and reminds me, the fruit and the malt kind of remind me of like a slice of pie. Uh, I've said that the um, Borrowed Page Volume 2 kind of has that vibe to it for me. And then in the world of Isla Scotch, or I should say just peated scotch, because not all peated not all peated scotch comes from Isla. In the world of peated scotch, yes, I, I like peated scotch in general. Um, in the fall, as it gets colder outside, I love that campfirey burning taste. Um, so I'm a big fan of peated scotches in the fall, which is why I did that old fashioned recipe with the peated scotch wash. Uh, and if I haven't posted it yet, hopefully I have. I probably haven't. I probably haven't had time to record it yet. There is a recipe coming up with a peated scotch wash that I'm really excited about. So hopefully it's good. And I should clarify that will be coming out on social media, on the social media platforms. Uh, so yeah, I like all of the categories. I just search for specific things. Oh, and you asked about rye. Ooh, in the world of rye, there's two ways to go. There's slice of pie, uh, which is basically, or like, you know, the, the crust and the fruit, which is basically what the barrel pick is, uh, the hard truth barrel pick that I'm doing. It might be out already. It's hope. It, uh, I, I don't want to say it is out. It, it's real close to being out if it's not out. Um, so if it's not out, go check it out. Uh, you can join the Patreon page to have the best chance at getting it. I can't guarantee if you don't join the Patreon, I can't guarantee if you can get your hands on it. But uh, my barrel pick with Hard Truth is the type of rye that I really like in the fall. It's got dark, fruity notes. It, it Actually, I mentioned dessert bourbon. It's kind of a dessert rye. It reminds me of dessert wine. When we were tasting it, it, it had like a deep, um, 
very rich red wine flavor a little bit, especially as the glass sat and got some air in it. But it's got fruitiness in general, and then it's also got kind of a crusty vanilla (laughs) – crusty sounded bad – vanilla crust or like graham cracker crust type of flavor. (laughs) Crusty doesn't sound good, but you get what I'm saying now. Um, and so that's one type. And then the other type would be like the full spice cabinet. So not like the um, kind of dill or somewhat piney uh, rise as much as the full spice cabinet rise where you're getting kind of like still Austin rye. You're getting some cinnamon. You're getting some herbs, some ginger. That thing, that type of thing also for me uh, goes well with the fall time. The fall and the winter. I'm kind of grouping those together. I am going to be doing an episode on uh, holiday drinks when it comes very close to uh, Christmas. So like right, I think about halfway through December, I'll be I'll have a episode about drinks that I like during the holidays, or I should say whiskeys that I like during the holidays. All right, that is it for the lightning round. So I'm going to open the remainder of the Q&As. But first, I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into this mystery tasting and give you guys a few more notes. I mentioned this was fruity, and it is. But it also has a mix of like a spice and a cream. And that combination, I am very much enjoying. Um, so it's it's kind of got a fruit. It's kind of got a creaminess to it, and it's got a spiciness to it. Which spice and cream, you'd think, those don't go together. They kind of do in a weird way. Think like... Okay, this does not taste like eggnog, but eggnog is a good example of spice and cream going together, and that's what it's reminding me of. All right, lightning round of questions. Let's do this thing. Who should I follow to learn more about scotch? Uh, There's a lot of people, but just the first person that came to mind would be Tim. It is at the whiskey influencer on Instagram, and he spells whiskey with no E before the Y. So I would follow Tim. Uh, He's just the first person that came to mind. Next question. Do I have an episode on the history of bourbon? Yes, I will look that up right now, or at least I have an episode on the origins of the name of bourbon. And then I also revisited bourbon. So I should find both of those episodes. Uh, I need to find them quickly. This isn't feeling very lightning-y. Let me see. Okay, so episode 108 is bourbon versus scotch versus Irish whiskey. But the original one where I walked through bourbon in general is way back at the beginning. Episode number seven, bourbon and American whiskey. And I could swear, uh, maybe it was the bourbon versus scotch versus Irish. At any rate, uh, episode number seven was the original one where I walked through that. But it might be time for a revisit. So I appreciate you asking that question because I'm not even going to screenshot it. So it goes to the beginning of my photos. It might be time for a revisit. Next question. I'm a bourbon guy trying to expand my palate. The best introductory rye. I'm very biased. I'm very biased, but I think my hard truth pick is a very good introductory rye. One of the things, so I picked this with that one dude, Ryan, and one of the things that we actually talked about was that this is a very good, it's complex, and so it's something that the experienced guys are really going to enjoy. But for a rye, it's very welcoming, which is a really interesting dichotomy. So if my barrel pick's not sold out yet, hey, I recommend looking into that. If it is, or if it hasn't even come out yet, and you want to get your hands on something quickly, a good introductory rye, I think I would keep it relatively inexpensive, so I like um, Bullet Rise pretty good, and to go a little bit more expensive, I'm really uh, I'm really stroking their ego this episode. Middle West Spirits Rye I think is good as well. It's not um, super harsh, but Bullet for the price will give you a good night, good idea of just kind of like 
standard rye flavors in my opinion bullet rye so keep in mind they do have bourbon and they also have rye okay moving on to the next one what's one bottle that i want that i don't have any of the pappy van winkles of course i want those um i'm not making any large effort to get them Oh, okay, here's a bottle that I've had and I know is good and I actually just want to buy a bottle and I haven't yet is Angel's Envy Rye. I finally got it at a restaurant. I I splurged and I paid a little bit extra for the pour, which I don't do often, and I really enjoyed it. So I want to get some Angel's Envy Rye. I think it would really be good for near the holidays, so maybe I need to buy it soon. Next question. Hi there. I'm looking for an affordable Isla. No, sorry. I'm looking for an Isla. Affordable or not, don't care. Hit me with something cool. I would say my something cool right now is Lagavulin 16 year. Um, Especially when you ask specifically for an Isla, I'm guessing you mean peated, even though not all Islas are peated. And uh, Lagavulin 16 is probably the best Isla that I've had so far. I haven't had a ton of Isla whiskeys, though. Keep that in mind. The next question is, have I tried Blue Note Juke Joint Uncut, and if so, what did I think? Yes. So Blue Note Juke Joint Uncut was my first barrel pick. Um, so I really, I mean, obviously I loved the barrel pick. I have multiple bottles of it. Really enjoy it. As for the non-barrel pick, so like just blue note juke joint, I have not had it, I don't think, so I can't get behind it, but I did have four different samples for the barrel pick and I picked one of the four and I liked all four samples though. I thought all four were good. There was one that was kind of lagging behind the others, but all four were good. Um, and it's also not a very expensive drink. So I, I like Blue Note, and I loved it in my first barrel pick. The next question, this is a fun one. What's your abusive relationship whiskey? The one you keep going back to even though it's bad. I'm going to have to stare at my shelf for a second. I'm going to take a sip of whiskey, and I'm going to think about that. I'm going to make a lot of people angry. So I'm going to preface this by saying this is not a bad whiskey. This is just a whiskey that's not really my preference. But I did go back to it a lot before I decided this isn't really my preference. Crown Royal. Just the run-of-the-mill Crown Royal. I wasn't a huge... It's it's just not my palate. I think for a Canadian whiskey, like for that, that flavor profile that a lot of Canadian whiskeys have, it is good. And especially for the super low price. But uh, it's just... I think I wanted to like it and I just... It's just not my preference. You know, I, I don't spend a lot of time with Canadian whiskeys. Uh, but yeah... It wasn't my preference. Hope I didn't make anybody mad there. I, hope, I think that was a pretty level-headed way to answer that. The next question, will I ever consider being a judge at a spirits competition? Absolutely. Um, and this is something, funny enough, if you were to ask me it a year ago, I'd say no. Um, I didn't feel my palate was on the level that it would need to be to be a judge at a competition. However, I've really worked on developing my palate. I love spicy food, and I almost never eat it nowadays. That's just an obvious example. But also all of the blind tastings, all of the in-depth tastings, I've really worked to build what I consider to be a, um, and I don't mean this in a bragging way at all, but a refined palate in the sense that I think I've gotten very good at picking apart flavor profiles. And so because of that, I do feel that I could be a judge in a spirits competition. I would love to. I think it'd be a blast. Um, and so maybe that'll be in the future for me. But right now, I don't have any plans in work um, or anything like that. But if there's any specific competitions that you want me to try to reach out to, then let me know. I would I would love to give it a try. Um, maybe I'm not there yet, especially on my level of uh, in the industry, and that's okay too. But my opinion is that I would love to do it. I think that'd be fun. What is my ideal mash bill for my favorite whiskey? Also, do I like it finished or not finished? 
Ooh, there isn't really a quick answer to this. I don't know why I put it in the lightning round. Um, but here's my answer. I have no favorite mash bill for whiskey. I love basically every type of whiskey. I've basically every mash bill that I've had, or at least, you know, type of mash bill, I have found a version of it that I really like. Good example. Not a big fan of Maker's Mark. That's a classic weeded bourbon flavor. Huge fan of Weller Special Reserve. And I'm a huge fan of Green River Weeded. So that's those are different weeded bourbons. Same kind of mash bill category. But I found one that I like and I found one that I don't like. So I, that's probably not a super satisfying answer. But I don't feel I could live without any of the categories. I love the variety. Um, if I said I had to gravitate towards one more often, sticking to the bourbon world, I probably gravitate towards weeded. Um, because I like that sweetness and I like that when you crank up the proof on a weeded bourbon, it still has a sweet profile. And so then you can kind of crank up the proof, but it still tastes sweet. It almost for me tricks my palate a little bit. Um, and then, well, in the world of scotch, I like single malts, obviously. I also like some blends, so I I don't really have an answer there, but finished versus unfinished. This is a good one. I once again, cop out answer. I love both. Um, and I love bourbons that don't have any finish to them. However, I do want to say that I'm very excited to see where the world of finishing takes the bourbon industry. I think that could be a lot of fun or even making what is almost a bourbon, but maturing it not in new Oak. So it's not a bourbon. I'm interested to see where that takes the bourbon industry or, or actually the American whiskey industry, because if it's not aged in that new Oak, then it's not even a finished bourbon. It's just not bourbon. Um, so I'm interested to see where that goes in the industry. So I like both, but I guess I would say I'm more excited about finished bourbon because it's more or finished whiskey in general, because it's more of a, a frontier, I guess. The next question, what's my opinion on whiskey smoking kits? Um, I've had quite a few of them. I've had a, a bunch sent to me that I've made videos on. I think a lot of them work very similarly, and I think they're fun. Um, I shouldn't say a lot of them work similarly. A lot of the ones that you set on the glass that are you know relatively inexpensive work similarly, and they work fine. I, I don't know if I'd go too expensive unless you wanted it to look cool or to have that cool presentation. Um, and I think you know it's fun. I think it's really fun to smoke a whiskey or a cocktail and get a little bit something different out of it. Do I worry about open bottles losing potency? Typically, no. Um, Unless my bottle's getting pretty low, I don't really worry about it. I've found, especially when you're over the halfway mark, a bottle losing potency or going bad, it'd have to sit for a really long time. This is just in my experience. Don't blame me if your bottles go bad. Uh, But typically, I don't. Then when they start to get below the halfway point, especially when they get down to about a third or a quarter, then I worry about it. And usually then I pull it off my shelf. I take it uh, upstairs so that when friends are over, I remember to use it or I take it to somewhere with me. And then I offer it to folks and we can all enjoy it and kill the bottle so that it doesn't go bad. The next question, what is my grail bottle or the top three bottles I need to try before I retire from whiskey? Mm. This is such a this is such a basic answer, so I'm sorry for that. But I definitely want to try the Pappy Van Winkle lineup, and I want to try the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection. Um, just because uh, the main reason, honestly, first of all, curiosity, of course. Like I'm not even going to pretend like that's not the case. But also, so many people ask me about them, and I can't give them my opinion. I can't say what – obviously, I, I don't think it's going to be worth secondary price, but I can't say what I think it's worth. And so I would like to be able to do that. 
Um, so that's more than three, but that's your answer. The next question, what proportion of bottles do I have open versus closed? I have no idea and I could be very wrong, but I'm going to guess at least 95% open. Um, there are a couple of backups that I have for bottles that I really enjoy, um, especially if they're a little bit harder to get. I don't keep lots of backups, but I do have a backup for bottles that are hard to get that I really enjoy. And then, um, honestly, aside from that, the majority of the unopened ones would be my barrel pick because I bought a bunch of bottles to last me, hopefully forever, ideally forever. (laughs) And, uh, so those are unopened as well, but very few unopened bottles, even including ones that I am planning to taste that are in line for like reviews and stuff. Uh, so yeah, the next question, uh, similar to an earlier one. So I'll actually refer you to the earlier question. How long will my open bottles hold their flavor? Uh, if they're open and there's a lot in them, they're going to hold their flavor super duper long. If they're open and there's less than half in it, some say six months at about the halfway point. Um, and then when you're getting down to that quarter, I would drink it within a couple of months, uh, maximum, if not quicker. Um, that's just based on experience to be honest with you. The, the two, the people will say two years if it's more than half, six months, if it's less than half, I've read that online, but the rest of that is just based on my personal experience. What whiskey started my passion? Is it still in my top five? Um, there's a few that I credit to starting my passion for whiskey and they would be Buffalo trace, which I, it was my first one that I tasted and was like, that tastes good. Probably not in my top five. Um, if you limit the price range to less than $30, definitely in my top five. Um, same situation with Monkey Shoulder. It was the first bottle that I came back to and over and over again, I was like, this still tastes good. I'm still enjoying this. Not in my top five, but if you limit to, I think it's $35, then it is in my top five. Um, yeah, those two are the big drivers. Uh, I always say Makers 46 was my first big boy purchase. That was like when I had been uh, into whiskey a little bit and I was like, I want to buy a bottle specifically because I know I like whiskey. So I'm going to buy a bottle of whiskey. Like I wasn't just drinking it. That was where I kind of transitioned from just drinking it occasionally or maybe I grab a bottle if I was at the store to like, I want to buy a nice bottle of whiskey. You know, it's not overly expensive, but at the time, Makers 46 was really expensive for me. Uh, yeah. And I would say none of those are in my top five, but they're all in my top five. If you limit to the price that they are probably, uh, the next question, how do you clean those glasses? I'm having a hard time getting the soap flavor out. If you're having a hard time getting the soap flavor out of your Glen Cairns or your rocks glasses, um, I would recommend lots of water when you're rinsing them out. And if that's still not working, I would guess it, it could be the type of soap, but honestly, most of ours are just, or mine, I should say are cleaned by hand by either myself or my wife. And so we just take you know, a sponge with some soap on it, scrub the inside and then the outside and then rinse it really, really well. I make sure for sure there's no soap like bubbling. Um, and then once it's rinsed really well and then I let it uh, dry, I let it air dry upside down on like, we have like a nice rack that actually holds them upside down. Um, so that's how I do those. Next question. Have I ever tried Joseph Magnus thoughts on their finished bourbon? Um, if you mean their cigar blend, which I think has a few different finishes, I've gotten a sample of it. That's all that I've had of Joseph Magnus. And I enjoyed the sample. Um, I don't know if it's worth, I think it's a hundred dollars, but I've also only had one sample. So it's hard to say cause your palate can play such a big role in it. I really need to try it a couple more times to give a fair answer, but I liked it. I wasn't sure about the price, but One sample is not enough to say whether something is worth the price, in my personal opinion. Last question. Best value U.S.-made single malt. So I've had a few good U.S. single malts. 
but um, the one that I've had the most of, I've been able to go back to and try on multiple occasions, is the Virginia Distillery Company's Courage and Conviction, their flagship bottle. Um, I think it's Courage and Conviction Signature, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and of course, I tasted that on the show. Um, I had Amanda from Virginia Distillery Company on the show uh, to talk about it. And I love that bottle. I actually think it's really good. That bottle specifically, I've had a few American single malts, but that bottle specifically got me like pretty excited about them. I was like, this is actually really cool. I'm really enjoying it. Um, so that would be probably the, and, and that's, I don't want to say that's like the best because there's so much American single malt out there that I have not tried, but just based off of what I have tried, uh, that was my favorite bottle I would say so far. Um, also, I really like Borrowed Page Volume 2, and you hear me talk about it a lot, but it's not just American Single Malt, although it does contain American Single Malt, so that's really good as well. All right, I'm going to finish out this blind tasting, or for you guys blind, I guess. For me, I know exactly what it is that I'm drinking. I'll give you guys a few more notes, and then you can try to guess what it is, and we'll get out of here. I barely need to taste it because I know what this tastes like because um, it's distinct for me. So, like I mentioned, fruit cream, spice. I'll throw in a little bit of a curveball, a little something strange, a little bit of coconut. Uh, And then additionally, if you haven't guessed it yet, maltiness, lots of maltiness. It's very malty. That's all I can say right now. It's grainy. It's got that granola bar-esque taste to it. Um, So you've probably narrowed it down quite a bit. Uh, and maybe this threw you for a loop because we like just had this on the show, but I am drinking Brook Lottie's Classic Laddie, and I am really enjoying it. Yes, I revisited it kind of quickly because I was excited to try it again. I haven't had it since that episode, and I was like, I really want to get a second opinion on this. So um, hopefully some of you guys guessed it or at least narrowed it down to like something malt-based, maybe even a scotch. Uh, and that episode, I should at least tell you what number that episode is before we get out of here. That was episode number 130 with actually Tim, the whiskey influencer that I mentioned earlier. So yeah, you can actually get to his at his handle through the show notes of that episode. But that's all that I've got for this episode today, guys. So thank you so much to everybody who submitted questions. Once again, I love these episodes. Please don't stop submitting your questions, and I will keep these Q&A episodes coming. That's all that I can say about those questions, though. So thank you guys so much. I will leave you with learn to drink, drink to learn. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you need more Whiskey Noobs content in your life, make sure you check out our Patreon page in the show notes. And if you like the show, please make sure to leave a five-star rating or review. It only takes a couple of minutes, and they're way more helpful than people realize. If you want to do tastings alongside the show, make sure you join the email list by sending an email to whiskeynoobspodcast at gmail.com with a subject line that says email list. You'll receive monthly emails with a list of the whiskeys that will be featured throughout the month so that you can buy them ahead of time. You can also find more Whiskey Noobs content on Instagram at Whiskey underscore Noobs and on TikTok at Whiskey Noobs Podcast. Once again, thank you guys for listening. The Whiskey Noobs Podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol.